Amen. The microphone has to be above the belt before it will turn on. Okay. Just learned that. How are we doing this morning? Uh, we, are, we are so blessed and uh, so grateful to be here. And uh, I think God has a message for each and every one of us, really every time we come together. Uh, I, I think sometimes we're more in tune to receive a message. Uh, I think that, that Christmas can bring about uh, a, a spiritual state where we're just so exhausted physically and pulled in so many different directions that we just need a little something. And who is the one to go to when we have a need? Jesus. And what does Jesus do when you come to him with a need? He fulfills that need. Amen. He knows best what we need. Uh, he knows when we need it. And uh, he's just good. And all the time. He is good. That's right. Uh, this morning, I want us to turn to Luke chapter 2. Big surprise, big surprise. Who would have thought that we would be in Luke chapter 2 this morning? Luke chapter 2. And we're going to talk about uh, being overlooked being overlooked. I wonder if all of us at some point in time have felt like we have been overlooked. Like somebody should be paying attention to us and they're not. <laughs> you ever felt like that? Uh, or maybe like you didn't really feel like you should be, you shouldn't be overlooked, but you were anyway. I don't know if that makes any sense. But it's so easy uh, sometimes for us to overlook people. Um, sometimes we're not in tune as well as we should be to the needs of people around us because we're focused on whose needs? Our own. We're focused on what we need. And that's kind of understandable because, you know, you have to live with yourself and you know what you need and you like to make sure you get what you need. And so sometimes we become very self-sufficient like we've talked about in the past and we feel like we can take care of our own needs, and sometimes we don't go to Jesus like we should and talk to Jesus like we should about things. And when we fail to do that, then our hearts are not in the right place and they're not prepared for those moments when God sends somebody our way that needs something from Jesus that we can offer to that person. But we've all probably felt overlooked at some point in time in our lives and if we thought about it hard enough, I'm sure we could think about people we know in our lives and that we come across that are overlooked. And maybe sometimes we overlook these people. I think God has a message for us in the Christmas story to remind us that no one deserves to be overlooked. Not even a lowly, smelly, unclean, unshaven shepherd. So this morning I want to start by telling you a little story about Abraham Lincoln. He was one of our presidents of old. And he said once, he said these words, Die when I may, I want it said of me by those who know me best that I have always plucked a thistle and planted a rose when I thought a rose would grow. And he said this as a result of meeting a, a, a young woman a 24-year-old young lady by the name of Miss Laura Sue Jones. And he met her 
on Christmas Day in 1960. That's not possible. Abraham Lincoln was not alive. 1864. That's better. He met her on Christmas Day in 1864. And this young lady was from the South. And she was trapped in Washington. She wanted a pass to go south for a very specific reason. But because of, of the war and things going on, she couldn't make that passage. And so she went to the president she and told him that she desired a pass to cross Union lines so that she could travel to where her fiancé was and so that she could marry him. And, of course, Abraham Lincoln was moved by what she said. And so he nodded his head and he picked up a pen and he wrote her a special traveling pass to be able to go to where her husband was. And, of course, she was speechless. She didn't know what to say, so she fell down to her knees in front of him and she grabbed his hand in gratitude and she began to say, you know, thank you, thank you so much for, for what you've done. And Abraham Lincoln, <clears throat> he said, don't thank me, thank God. Get up and thank God. And so she got up, and as she was getting ready to leave, she said, Goodbye, Mr. President, and may God bless you. I shall probably never see you until we one day meet in heaven. And Abraham Lincoln said this, That you wish me to get there is, I believe, the best wish that you could possibly make for me. Goodbye, Miss Jones, he said to her. And in telling her goodbye, he honored an outcast someone who was away from where she wanted to be or needed to be, was probably overlooked by many in that day and time. And he, he honored an outcast thistle, and what he did is he replanted her where she could bloom as a rose. And he began to realize the, the obligation and the responsibility and the privilege and opportunity that we have and being an encouragement to people. And we were talking about encouragement up here earlier. Dale Buchanan walked through the sanctuary while the praise team was practicing. Scott Rogers was turned around with his back facing the audience area here, reading the words off the screen. And I think Dale said something to the effect, boy, I was really encouraged because I didn't have to look at the front of Scott. And, uh, and so, you know, and then, of course, Scott said something about great encouragement or something like that. I probably messed all that up. You get, what a pal, you, you, get, you get the gist of what happened there. But we have an opportunity to do that. And it's easy to encourage people we like and we love. May you be encouraged in that. People that we, that we like, we like to encourage them. And, and it's easy to do that. But what about people that, that we don't like? Or what about people that we just kind of ignore or pretend aren't there sometimes? It's easy to do that. As a pastor... A lot of times I, I talk with people who feel like they're overlooked, who feel outcast. Uh, sometimes they feel unappreciated. And, you know, you run into that quite a bit. And I know I'm not the only one. I know everybody out here, again, has either felt that way or they've had friends or acquaintances or people that have felt this way and maybe come to you and, and, and shared with you how they felt. But what we see when we look at the Christmas story this morning is that God chose to honor. He chose to honor some that were considered of low estate, uh, very lowly people, outcast by society people, um, overlooked people for the most part. When he sent 
angels to declare to these shepherds the, the, the fact that his son had been born. He said this to the shepherds. Now, most of the time, you know, when, when you have a baby, and many of you in here have, right? Had babies. You tell people that real close to you. You tell people in the family. You let them know. I mean, they probably already know you're at the hospital. But when the baby comes, you're probably telling the husband, go call, get the list and call the people and tell them. And maybe you don't even have to call the people because they're out in the waiting room waiting to hear the news that the baby has come. So the news goes out to the family and to the friends and, and people that you want to know. And these people feel honored to be in that circle of the fir- among the first to know that your baby has arrived. But certainly the religious leaders of the day should have been the ones that should have been notified first. The, the, the rich rulers and those people should have known first. But instead what we see is this wonderful news coming to some of the most lowly and overlooked people at the time. Paul tells us these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23. I want you to listen because this won't come up on the screen. He said that those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. So, church, how can we honor people in our lives that are overlooked? How can we do that? When probably in our minds right now we're thinking, I can't really add anything else to my schedule because I'm already neglecting my family. How can, I, how can I honor people that I don't even really know or, or people that probably won't appreciate it anyway? How can I honor someone when I've already, already got so much to do? There's so many things that we can do. Invite a recent widow or a recent widower to your home and share a meal with them. It's a difficult time. This is the first Christmas. We've got some shut-ins that could maybe use a visit or a call Maybe take some cookies. Everybody loves cookies. I don't want to ask if there's anybody in here who doesn't because I'm just going to assume that everybody in here likes fresh-baked cookies. Can I get an amen there? And what an encouragement it is. I mean, even if you didn't bring the cookies, to go and visit someone, even to pick up the phone and call someone. This day and time, it's even easy to just text someone. And while I love the face-to-face dynamic better, that, that you thought enough, and especially people my age who, and older who may have a struggle texting, to take the time to text a message to somebody. That's, that's special, too. That can, that can be very special. But what I, I want to think about this morning, I want us to think about are ways that we can connect to those who are disadvantaged, those who have been overlooked, and how can you and I pluck a thistle and plant a rose? How can we do that? Like... Abraham Lincoln asked us to do. Well, God did that when he chose those lowly shepherds that first Christmas night to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. And, you know, all, you know, I've read so many books and so many articles and studied so much about shepherds and sheep, and, and we've all probably got some knowledge of what a shepherd's life was like. But it was a hard job. It was a hard job because... The shepherd had to watch over the sheep, like, constantly. Had to make sure that robbers didn't come and steal them because people came and stole sheep, believe it or not. And there were wild animals about. And wild animals could come in and and take these sheep 
and kill them and, and eat them. So they had to protect the sheep. And not only did they have to protect them, they had to search out good pasture land that had good grass and fresh water to make sure that the, that the sheep were sustained as they needed to be. And, you know, shepherds had to stay out in the field sometimes all night long and watch over these sheep and make sure that they were okay and make sure that they were safe. And it was a hard job. And even though they were hardworking, uh, many people thought that their job was lowly, that it was lowly and it was not very important. And maybe some of the reasons why they were considered low and maybe overlooked is because they were always out in the fields watching the sheep and they weren't running around town like everybody else. Maybe, maybe that's a possibility. But on the night that Jesus was born, God himself, think about that again, God himself honored these shepherds and showed the world then and now and all through the ages how important these lowly people were. How important are the lowly people in our lives that, that we see and that we know? And again, can you imagine that this great news was given first to shepherds, not the important people of the day, not the religious leaders, not, not, the, not the rich rulers. Uh, these people did not receive the news. Maybe they weren't spiritually of, a, of the right heart and mindset to receive such good news. Because can you imagine how the shepherds felt when they were given this news? So the, and, and, and they were given news by angels. I mean, think about that. Amazing. And these angels came, and it says in the Scripture that we're going to read here in just a few minutes, that the shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks in the fields. And just imagine that maybe some of these fields were the same pasture land that David had watched sheep many, many years prior to this. That's something to think about. David watching his father's sheep on the very same pasture land that these shepherds were on, getting ready to hear the good news that Jesus had been born. But even among the Jewish people, uh, the shepherds were considered to be the lowest of the low. But haven't we found, as we've read the Word of God and studied Scriptures, that God oftentimes uses the weak and the lowly to get the amazing things done? Doesn't He do that? And doesn't that encourage us that if he can do that with them, what can he do with us? If we're surrendered and we're readily available for that. These shepherds, the lowest, the lowest of the low, dirty people, smelly people, living a nomadic lifestyle, hanging around animals, probably smelled like animals, didn't have any way to shower, no public restrooms that we know of. Just a, just a hard existence. And some of them had been doing it for a while. You know, that usually it was the youngest child in the family that would watch the sheep. And then as they got a little bit older and as another younger, younger brother came along, he would take up the responsibility. And then the, the shepherd would get to help dad out in the crops, harvesting and sowing and reaping. So it was always, always work to be done. And we're reminded of David when we think about that because David was the youngest of eight sons and he was responsible for caring for the sheep. And it had a profound impact on his life. 
you can't help but read the Psalms and see what being a shepherd did to David. Look at the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. But what God did is he showed the world that the news of Jesus' birth, and this is important for us to hear right here, that the news of Jesus' birth is for everybody. It's for all people. This news is for people who don't want to hear it. This news is for people who are longing for some good news from somebody. This, this news is for, for all people. It doesn't matter what economic, uh, what, what stage of society or culture that you're in, no matter what your social status, the, the news of Jesus Christ is for all people. And this is such a clear message, if you think about it, that God was given to us when he told the shepherds first about the birth of his son Jesus. And the shepherds, I mean, having told the shepherds, it just reminds us of an important picture of Jesus himself. Jesus, the good shepherd, who came to love us, care for us, and protect us, we who are his sheep. So the, so the, so the shepherds got this message. And they were told that if they would go and seek this child out, they would find Mary, and they would find Joseph, and they would find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Just imagine this news. This news that the Son of God has been born and He's wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in an animal's feeding trough. How do you process all that? How do you process that? Nick was with a friend of his uh, the other weekend and they, watched, they were watching a movie. And this movie in, in, in affected his friend so much that he had to pause it and said, Nick, I just got to process this for just a minute. Can you imagine, you know, the, getting that news? I mean, things were, you know, we like things to fit and, and make sense. Uh, the Son of God is in a feeding trough, and you're telling us? You know, it's just, it must have been amazing to them. And then the, and then the angels came came up afterwards with and glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward man we know these words so well and so what the shepherds did when they heard this news and just having surely been amazed by everything that had happened so far they made a spontaneous decision to leave the sheep that they were taking care of you know supposed to be with to make sure that that robbers and, and wild animals didn't get them they left them and they went and looked for this baby this son of God lying in a manger. And then they began to spread the news of the birth of Jesus. They began to tell people about it. Go and tell it. That's what they did. And after all of this was over, they went back to their fields, praising God. Praising God, going back to the same old job they did yesterday, the same job they were doing today, and the same job they're going to do tomorrow. But they had been forever changed. This night had forever changed them. This night in Bethlehem so many years ago. You know, Bethlehem has been in the news recently. Um, I read a headline just this morning that Bethlehem was pre preparing for their best Christmas in years. Bethlehem preparing for their best Christmas in years. That hasn't always been the headline for Bethlehem. 
You guys remember uh, when we started this new millennium back in 2000, about 20 years ago? There was a different headline back then. It said, Bethlehem cancels the Christmas celebration. Cancels the Christmas celebration. What was going on? Well, there was a lot of bloodshed that year between the Israelis and the, the Palestinians. And there was a lot of stuff going on in the West Bank communities like Bethlehem. Things weren't good. Things weren't going well. And they had been planning for years for this, this new millennium celebration in Bethlehem. That sounds great, doesn't it? Bethlehem holds a special place in our hearts to be able to hear that they were preparing for a great celebration in the new millennium. That's just a good thing. But all their hopes were dashed because of things that were going on politically in that country. And things were, were, that had been planned Money had been invested. You know, there were great hopes, and they were all dashed, and all these plans were scrapped because they wanted the tourists to know. They wanted the tourists to be safe, and they wanted those that were going to make a pilgrimage to Bethlehem that Christmas to know that this is not the time for you to come because there is no peace in Bethlehem. There is no peace. So there was the city of David, deserted, Everything was closed down. Everything was empty. A lot different than that first night, that first Christmas night in Bethlehem when there was no room for, the, for them in the inn. And it was a busy, bustling place. It was different. And around that time, there were about 200 Palestinians, some of which were from Bethlehem, who lost their lives even that night. It wasn't a safe place to be, and it was anything but a spirit of celebration in the air. It's kind of sad. But what the newspaper didn't tell us about were some of the people that were overlooked during that time. People who were maybe kindred spirits with these shepherds so many years ago. I'm talking about the Palestinian Christians that lived in Bethlehem. Those that were counting on all of these celebrations, all the tourists coming in, all the people making the pilgrimage so that they could sell their souvenirs and the little uh, nativity figures that they would carve out of olive wood to sell so that they could make a living so that they could have a special Christmas and that their children could have a special Christmas. We didn't hear about that. These people were, once again, they were overlooked. And because of all the political unrest that they were experiencing, it had a devastating effect on the economy in that area. So these people who were counting on selling so much and making so much money had no way of making an income. And it was one of the worst Christmases in recent history. It kind of reminds you of a Christmas carol that we don't really sing much. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, it's called In the Bleak Midwinter. It says, In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter long ago. And this was a bleak time for the people who lived in and around Bethlehem. So they were forced to do things that they really didn't intend to do that Christmas. They had to sell their furniture. They had to sell their family heirlooms that you have to imagine had a little bit more importance and prominence. I don't know, I feel like it did 
in that part of the world more so than family heirlooms mean to us in this day and time and where we live. But they had to sell these things just so they could buy food for their kids. It's a totally different Christmas than what they had expected. It wasn't the, the sentimental scene that we see pictured on so many Christmas cards of that Bethlehem so many years ago. It was a lot more like the, the Christmas carol that we're more familiar with. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. So quiet in the streets, nobody bustling about, nobody moving around. And then you've got the, the silent stars moving across the, the dark Middle Eastern sky. Such a quiet sky until you heard the sound of the bombs blasting in the skies over the promised land. Just such a different, different Christmas than what was expected for that part of the world. And those Christians that were living there with such high hopes and such great expectations. Who was, really, who was thinking about them? Those people that were overlooked during that time. You know, a lot of our uh, politicians, most of our politicians really will, will campaign firmly, standing on the promise that we're going to support Israel. And we're going to support, basically, the Jewish people. And even as Christians, we will, we will quote verses and chapters of Scripture that are trying to help other people see and explain why God wants the Israelis to have the land, their land of the Bible. But what about these Palestinian followers of Christ? Who was helping them out that year? Who was thinking about them that year? 20 years ago, of course. But surely in that time and in that place, as they were getting rid of some of the things that were so precious to them, they must have thought, is anybody looking out for us? Does anybody even care what we're going through? Does anybody understand what's going on? So you just kind of think they had a kindred spirit or fellowship with these shepherds who sat out night after night under the stars, out on the fields, with their sheep, wondering, does anybody even know or care that we're out here? And it's not too big of a leap from there to people that we know that sit at home at night by themselves or walk through a crowd of lots and lots of people and they're inside thinking, does anybody care? Does anybody even know that I'm here? Does anybody even have a thought about me at any moment in time? So what do you, what do you and I think about shepherds? We probably felt like, well, gosh, they're like blue-collar workers, right? You know, just, just like we have blue-collar workers in this day and time. But no, they didn't even have that status. They were even lower than that. They were below that. They had no status. They were overlooked completely, overlooked by their society. And they, of course, you know, you think back to, to David, who was a shepherd. And David was headed for bigger and better things. He was, he was the king. He was going to be the king. But there was little to no hope that anything like that would happen to any of these shepherds. Never in their lives, never in a million years would they have dreamed that as they were out there on that field that night that they would get the news that they got and that they would get it the way that they got it. So they didn't have any hopes of becoming king like David did. And they didn't have any hopes that anybody would give them any kind of news at all, good or bad, that anybody would even think about them. 
just to try to help us to, to understand even more how these shepherds feel, I found a song by a, a, a married couple, uh, Michael and Stormy O. Martian, and uh, they wrote a song called Nothing Ever Happens to a Shepherd. Listen to these words. It's cold outside in this God-forsaken place, and we're stuck here with a thousand sheep. While life is exciting everywhere, everywhere else, the highlight of our day is sleep. Shepherds are notorious for making little profit. We garner just enough for room and board. While everyone else wallows in their wealth, we're financially ignored. Causing nothing, Because nothing ever happens to a shepherd. Life is boring as can be. While exciting things occur all over the world, nothing ever happens to me. It's lonely out here in this isolated job. Our position is without esteem. We're socially challenged. We're society scourged. We're not exactly every woman's dream. Shepherds have a humble purpose of our fate. Few people care. Sometimes I wonder if God knows we exist. If he does, he's forgotten where. Because nothing ever happens to a shepherd. I'm common as common can be. While exciting things occur all over the world, nothing ever happens to me. Shepherds are the lowest of the low. Our lives are void of mystery. Except for David killing Goliath, no shepherd will ever go down in history. What a, what a great description of how it must have been to be an overlooked member of Jewish society. So it's no wonder that it is almost unthinkable that God would choose these individuals to hear the good news of the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just random. I, I do not believe that it was random occurrence that he did what he did. I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and I think that as he did it, he was making a statement that we sometimes don't get, we're not just quite tuned into it. And that message is this, that nobodies are somebody to God. Listen to that. Nobodies are somebodies to God. Have you ever felt like a nobody? Do you feel like that today? Will you feel like that in the future? Do you think there are other people that feel that way? God's message to them, God's message to you and to me, to us, is I care about you. You are important to me. Let's read some scripture. <laughs> it's about time, isn't it? Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse number 8. Thinking about all that we've just talked about, all that we've been thinking about in terms of shepherds and those that are overlooked in our society, listen to this story. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Okay, so already their minds are blown. Already their minds are blown. And then, as if to embolden the text and underline the text and put it in all caps and throw about 20 exclamation points on the back of it, we hear glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. For it hath made known unto us, unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. It doesn't say, and when they had seen it, they said, goody, goody, goody for us. And then they didn't say another thing, and they went back to the, sh- to the, to the fields, back to their work. Nope, that's not what it says. They made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them, and this is not in there, about things about they never imagined anyone would care enough to tell them about. There are people walking around in this world wondering, does anybody care enough to tell me about this God, this Jesus that everybody makes such a big deal about? Do you think that it was that people were amazed at what the shepherds said? Was it, was it what they were telling them that amazed them? Or was it that they were being told this amazing news by shepherds? Shepherds. Shepherds that came from the field. Surely it should have been covered by CNN or one of the one of the major news organizations. But shepherds? Really? This was all intentional. I believe this was all intentional. I believe that he chose the shepherds because he knew that this message was for all people. And he wanted them to know that. And he wanted the world to know that. And he wanted us to know that. What benefit could you and I receive from knowing that? That benefit, this benefit right here. How dare, how dare I withhold the good news from anyone? How dare I stand in front of a person and say, my, it's not worth my time. They're not going to get it. They're not going to appreciate it. They'll make fun of me. It's not the right time. What I'm doing in some way right there, you are not worth my time. You are not worthy to hear this message. When God showed me through his Christmas story that everybody is, every person needs to hear the good news. It wasn't random. He, he knew what he was doing when he honored them. 
when he shared the good news with people that surely suffered prejudice in their day. Economic injustice, it wasn't a well-paying job. And you know, people in this day and time that have those issues, how dare we hold the good news from them? And even people who are in a bondage-type situation in their lives because of bad choices they have made in their lives, drugs, alcohol, uh, breaking the law, uh, you know, we can come with all, up with all sorts of things. And they're in a, in a position in their lives right now where they're suffering, they're having to pay restitution, they're in prison. They need to hear the news. They need to hear the good news. And it is a debt that we owe that is long overdue because we have been given this news and it is not our responsibility. Like the little children's song, we try to tell our children from very young, hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. We need to let our light shine. We need to make that our morning song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I challenge everybody 50 and over, sing this song every morning. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, William, I don't even leave the house most days. Well, you're probably going to answer the phone. You're probably going to get on social media. You know, so, there's going to be some way that you can let your light shine. Because if you got Jesus, you have got a light to shine. Jesus came and, and he again touched the whole world. Touched the world with the love of God. He, what he did when he came, he came and he tried to draw a picture of his purpose and why he came when he sketched himself as a shepherd with the way he lived his life and the, and the things that he said. He showed the world that he was the good shepherd. The shepherd that does this, that lays his life down for his sheep. That's what he did for us. So no matter what people do as an occupation, no matter where they live, uh, no, matter, no matter what's going on in their lives, whether they're socially challenged or economically challenged, or whatever way they are challenged, we need to reach out to those people just as Jesus reached out to people in his ministry. You know, God showed us how when he reached out to the shepherds. And then Jesus took up that mantle, and he did the same thing when he grew up and started his ministry. Because Jesus was not a wealthy man. He was not. He was born to a family who, had a, who lived on a carpenter's wage. He didn't live in a great house in a and a wonderful, exciting uh, metropolis of a city. He lived and he had meager, meager accommodations. He was a carpenter's son. He became a carpenter himself. But when he started his earthly ministry, he took up what his heavenly father showed him how to do. And he began to hang out with the rich and the wealthy and the fancy people who were working in the churches and all the religious leaders. Did he hang around those people? Or did he hang around outcasts? And did he hang around people who had leprosy? And he hung around all the marginalized people, prostitutes. He elevated those people and women and children to a position where they understood, I love you. I came for you. And I have a message for you. And so he wants you and me to do the same thing. And he even goes so far as to say, if you do this, to one of the least of these, 
You do it to me. But he also helps us to understand that if we resist those, then we resist him. So what he wants us to know is that the gospel is for all people. And shy person, outgoing person, talkative person, person of few words, uh, whoever you are, surely you fall into one of those categories. You have a story to tell. And we follow God's example. We follow Jesus' example. Those are our examples. And we share the news of Christ with the world. Now, here's the thing. In this day and time and in the culture that we live in, for years we've lived. Y'all come. Y'all come to church. Y'all come. Because when you come to church, that's where you learn about God. That's where you learn about Jesus. Y'all just come on. And we, and we say, y'all come, y'all come. And we say it a hundred times. And how many of those people come? Usually. How many people have you invited to church? How many people of those people that you have invited have come to church? <clears throat> there's a shift. There's a move. Things are different. We're in a different place now. So we're giving an example in this, in this story as well. We sang it today. It's not so much that y'all come to our church. We can do that, and we need to do that. They need to see the excitement that we love church, and we love God's church, and we love our church, and we love going to church, and, and won't you come? Y'all come. But in the story, the shepherds went, and they told. And then we sang, go tell it. You and I have got to go, and we have got to tell. We can't reserve our our religiosity we can't reserve our spirituality we can't reserve our being like christ for sunday morning and for some sunday night and wednesday night it can't be reserved for those times we got to get out here and we got to go and we got to tell i don't mean you have to give a full gospel presentation before the checkout girl takes your money at the grocery store I'm so joyous this time of the year. I'll tell you why. It's because of Jesus. I just love Jesus. Do you, do you know Jesus? That seems like such a hard thing to do. Maybe it seems easy because we're in church and we're all tuned in. But when we go out here, it's so hard. But who goes with you? He goes with you because he's in you. He can't not go with you. Where you go, he goes because he is in you. Sometimes your insides make a little noise and you say, shh, down there. It's not him making the noise. But he can make noise through you because he wants to shine through you. He wants to work. He wants to do through you. So those little moments, they can happen. They can happen. When you're at school and a conversation comes up about faith, stand up for your faith. Don't stand up across the room and give somebody a black eye because they said they don't believe in Jesus. Don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Walk around with love in your heart. Oh, you don't go to church? Oh, man, I always have. And it just, just made the difference in my life. Not because of church, not because of the people, but because of Jesus, because I learned about him there. And if I hadn't gone, I wouldn't know him. Have you ever gone to church? Hey, I'll go right down here. I'll meet you one morning. Let's go together. But sometimes, instead of that, we overlook people. We overlook people, 
And when people who are supposed to be loving, and in some cases in our culture, are shouting, we're, we're God's people, we love you. We love you, we love you. We don't care what you've done. We don't care where you've been. We love you because God loved us. But sometimes those people who cry those things out overlook, we overlook people. And we overlook people and sometimes they don't hear what is going to save their lives. What's going to make the difference in their lives. Because here's what people need to know. They need to know that they are not overlooked. They need to know that there is a God that will look over them. That will watch over them. Just like as you're doing what he's called you to do, he is watching over you. Let's all stand. Let's you bow your heads. We're right on Christmas. It's a couple of days away. What can we do as individuals? What can we do to reach out to those who are overlooked?